Hello everyone, I hope your day is going well. We're going to take a look at the passage of Scripture we studied through last Wednesday in our midweek class, um, our 2 Corinthians class, and the passage we looked at was 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. That was February 22nd when we did that. Um, and again, we looked at 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. So that's what we're going to discuss briefly here. Be a good idea for you to read those those verses, um, and then we will jump into the middle of it. So if you want to press pause on your player there, your phone, whatever you've got, um, read that, that, that six, seven verses, and then jump back to this with us. We'll give you a second to do that. Okay, as you see, that's not a big passage. Um, it, it flows quite well from what we looked at in chapter 3. And uh, Paul is still talking about this ministry. Now keep in mind this ministry that he's referring to, looking out of chapter 3, is, is the new covenant. Um, this new ministry is the gospel. And right there at the very first verse of chapter 4, we see Paul gives his, his, the people of Corinth his, his source of encouragement. I mean, Paul has a difficult life. Um, his, his, basically, his apostleship to the Gentiles is not an easy task, this task that God has given to him. Um, so he, he can have some difficult times, but the reason he does not lose heart in the midst of this, we get his two sources of encouragement. The first one is this ministry. It is the new covenant. It is the preaching of the gospel. Um, he does not lose heart because he sees and he knows the incredible value of what he is doing. Um, this is this is life-saving. Um, the gospel saves lives. But he also continues to, to, to work and continues to go on without losing heart because of, looking at this verse, we see, because of God's mercy. He says, as we have received mercy. And that mercy is from God. As we looked at this past Sunday morning, um, that's something that we should always be um, forever thankful for, is, is God's mercy. So, um, now, for this next chapter, um, Paul is going to be using um, the pronouns, first-person pronoun of we. And so, so, now, understand something. This isn't going to mean that we can't gain something from this chapter. We can, but the we that he's referring to here to specifically is, is referring to himself and his fellow apostles. Um so, and as we get into the passage that we'll look at tonight in class, that, that'll become kind of clear. He says, in the form of we, um, and what we do is for you, and the you meaning the church in Corinth. Um, so, uh, that's something to keep in mind. Again, it does not mean that we cannot take this passage and parts of this passage and apply it to ourselves, but he is specifically speaking of himself and his fellow apostles. So, when we jump into... Uh, verse 2, what we'll be dealing with through the remainder of this passage, as well as the passage that we will look at tonight, is, is divine treasure and earthen vessels. Um, we'll get more into that tonight. Um, uh, this is just kind of a precursor to that. Um, so just, just keeping that in mind for, for what we're going to take a look at in tonight's passage. So... Um, basically, what we, are, what we are looking at here um, is we are finding... That, that Paul, uh, he has opponents, as we know, and his opponents, um, there's kind of a disclaimer here. His opponents uh, claim that he was not open in his style of presenting the gospel, and his message was obscure. 
In other words, what they were using as their evidence is that some did not hear the truth of what Paul was speaking. In other words, there were those to whom Paul spoke who did not receive the message, respond to the message in a positive way. And Paul acknowledges that this is correct, but this isn't be have this has nothing to do with his presentation of the gospel. What it has to do with is their hardness of heart. Um, he goes on to say that that the message of the gospel is veiled to them, and this this reaches back to what he's talked about in the past in this letter as well. Um, it's veiled to those who are perishing. Um, chapter two speaks to this specifically, and here in chapter or in verses three and four, he talks about. I'll read it specifically. He says, "If our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In whose case the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving, so that they might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God." So, uh, what we're dealing with here is the reason why there are some in Paul's audience who are not responding is their minds are blinded to the truth, to the gospel. Now, there's three sources according to Scripture of this blinding. We see one of the, sports, the sources here. We'll get in that here in a second. The first source of the blinding of, of men's hearts is God himself. Um, Romans chapter 9 speaks to this, how how God has blinded the hearts of some so that they will not hear the gospel and respond to it. And before we jump into that um, really, really big ramification, um, we need to, some people <laughs> in their in their study of cha- Romans chapter 9, they forget about Romans chapter 10, which is very unfortunate because it really messes up their theology. And um, what amounts to, before we dive off into that one, is the second source of the three sources of this blinding to the gospel is self. Romans 10 speaks to this. So Romans 9 speaks about God hardening the hearts of people to the message of the truth. Romans 10 talks about people hardening themselves so that they will not respond to the message of the truth. So those things work together. God takes the hardness of men's hearts and he hardens it further. So two of the three sources of this blinding are God and self and there's another source according to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and that source is Satan, the god of this world that's referring to Satan. Now, something we need to understand in Paul's messaging here of the god of this world, do not fall into the trap that some do of, of thinking of, of these two sources, of one source of good, one source of evil, and these are equal and opposing. No, they are opposing, but they are not equal. God is God. Um, Satan is a fallen angel. Um, subservient to um, to God and God's power and God's infinite power and His infinite um, wisdom, control all of that. There there is no equal fight here in any way whatsoever. Matter of fact, when you see in Scripture Satan doing battle with 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 God, it's not God he's doing battle with. He's doing battle with the servants of um, of God. Uh, sometimes in the form of angels. Uh, Jude speaks to that how. After the death of Moses, that Satan and and the angel, they are kind of the, the one of the high up angels, the angel Michael battling over the body of Moses. Uh, don't ask me what all that entails and what that means. I do not know. Um, but what it shows me is that if Satan is equal in power to something, it's to uh, an angel, not to 
God. So, um, but Satan is one of these sources of the blinding. The, the ultimate purpose of Satan is to separate people from God. So um, he will do all that he can to blind people to the truth. So the three sources of this blinding, once again, is God, Romans 9, self, Romans 10, and Satan, 2 Corinthians 4. Now there's other passages that refer to this as well, but these are the ones that are, that are most well known for um, those blindings. So um, let's see here. Moving on. Um, basically, as, as Paul kind of wraps up this chapter, and then we'll move into the, the, um, the heavenly or, or the divine treasure and, and the earthen vessels tonight, um, what we see again, and we see this, this through these first six verses of chapter four, what we see repeated again and again is light, light. Um, and light specifically referring to the light of God, the light of his gospel, um, the glory of God. Um, it's interesting to me that Paul uses the terminology of light when referring to God's glory. Now, this is biblical. As a matter of fact, as we saw in our last time together in chapter 3, Paul talks about the glory of the old covenant and how that glory is fading. And he uses an example of that as, as Moses, when he would meet with God, his face would glow um, like a uh, supernatural light bulb, all right, to the point that it frightened the people. But Moses covered his face not only because the people were frightened, but to hide the fact that that glory was fading over time. And then he would meet with God again. It would be recharged again, so on and so forth. But that glory was always fading. The glory of the new covenant will not fade because we're not talking here about the face of Moses, the old. We're talking about the face of Christ um, representing the new covenant. And that glory, that light will last forever. And I love the fact that Paul uses terminology of light when referring to God, not only because it's biblical, but it's also because his experience. Think about when Paul met Christ on the road to Damascus. There was a light that, that overpowered the very sun. It blinded him. And um, so we're talking about something infinitely powerful and eternal here um, when speaking of the light of the new covenant, the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So on that note, what does that mean for this, this, this treasure that we have because of this light and how that is contained momentarily while we're in this world in, in, in these bodies that we wear? So that's what we're going to look at tonight. Um, tonight is, today is March 1st, so our midweek um, will be tonight. Um, it is Wednesday. Um, we'll have class at 7 o'clock, and tonight we will discuss in, in the sanctuaries where we'll be, and we'll discuss chapter 4, verses 7 through 15. Um, so if you would like to read that ahead of time, that would be a great, great thing. We'd love to have you. We have a meal at 6 o'clock. Tonight's biscuits and gravy night, so that's always the big one when it comes to our meal. So if you want some, get here early, okay? Um, again, it starts at 6 o'clock, so get here not too long after 6 um, to get the meal. And then at 7 o'clock, we'll have classes for all ages. Um, hope to see you this evening. Um, hope the remainder of your day goes well.